Hey folks, quick heads up before we get started. If you're driving around with the little ones in the car, you might want to throw on the earmuffs because this episode gets a little salty. You have been warned. Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. And today I'm joined by guest Dre Beltrami. Dre, welcome to the show. Hey, hi, hi. <laughs> so this, will, this is going to be fun. Um, a mutual friend, George Stalker, introduced us over email and... I checked out Dre's site, absolutely loved it, fell in love with it, laughed my head off, all that stuff. It's perfection. Uh, so I, I absolutely had to talk. And so here we are. Uh, Drake, would you mind introducing folks to who you are and what you do? Yes, I'm so excited. And shout out to George because he did the best intro I think I've ever partaken. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm Dre and I'm the batshit crazy broad behind the Solopreneur Society. And soloing and you know the sort of the culture behind um the solopreneur and and um the small business entrepreneur is where my bread and butter is um so i really help them i i have niched i have made niching a religion and an art and i really niche down to family and fun first solopreneurs so i get us back to why we started our businesses I, right. We started them to enjoy our families, to live a particular lifestyle, to have freedom, to travel, all of those things that we talk about constantly on social, but we don't actually partake in. <laughs> yes. I don't think enough people talk about this. And that's what the core of my work is. I'm a brand strategist and stylist, which sounds real buzzy and fancy and it works for a resume. But the fact is the work I do is to peel back the layers and get to the shit that really matters to you and creating the business around that. Love it. Absolutely love it. Longtime listeners will know that I'm a gigantic fan of niching down, pigeonholing yourself. Yes. And, and you are absolutely dogfooding it. Uh, the, <laughs> the website would immediately repel anyone for whom you'd be a bad fit, I'm sure. You got it. So I've got a bunch of questions and sort of devil's advocate type stuff that I, I want you to dispel and answer and just... Okay, so, so first of all, the word solopreneur, does that resonate with a lot of people or is that something people like us just made up? Yeah, you know, that's funny. So when I first started using that term six years ago, really the only one uh, was, what's the name from the Solopreneur Hour? He's been talking yeah. that up. Do you know who I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. No, it's new to me. Remember, that's originally where I found the term. And I don't know, to be honest, here's the thing. I don't know that it rolls off everybody's tongue. But here is where branding comes in, is that I've made it a culture. So like I said, it's not just a title, right? Because you can call yourself entrepreneur, you can call yourself you know, an app developer, you can call yourself all kinds of things. Our title is irrelevant to the work we do. But what I found is that I could capture a culture with it. So like I said, it's about you know, there are all shades of entrepreneurs, but I work with the ones that, again, created their business for a reason. They're not trying to be multi-million dollar agency owners. They're not trying to be the next Elon Musk. They want to have families. They want to have freedom. They want to travel. They want to do all these things. So I wanted to come up with a word or use a word that I could sort of separate and delineate and differentiate from the big pool of entrepreneurs which is like anybody get online yeah build the funnel sell your shit it's like <laughs> I, i'm not about that so i have really used it like you said to repel and to indoctrinate to what i mean as a solo because you know people have 
you know, the impression of what it is. You can never hire anyone. You, you do everything yourself. And it's like, none of that is what I subscribe to. I just subscribe to the culture of, it's very different for that, for someone who is coming at it from that culture of solopreneur. It, it is purpose driven. Their business is purpose driven for them. And for me, that's very different than somebody who is profit driven. Uh, okay. That, that's a key distinction right there. That, that to mm-hmm. me, that's the most clear delineation between yep. that sort of Silicon Valley entrepreneur that wants to like fatten up a pig and slaughter it, which is the way I see all of that garbage. Yep. You know, it's like sell your clients and customers who trust you to the highest bidder and just abandon them completely. I can't stand that. Yep. So let's go into this solopreneur, like your specific definition of a little bit more. Is any freelancer a solopreneur? I think anyone can be a solopreneur that wants to be a solopreneur. Again, I think it's simply a title, but when you take the culture and sure, if you are freelancing for a purpose, there is a subculture, there's a movement, there is an idea that you are championing, championing Mm -hmm. and tandem with the lifestyle you want to live. That's really the solopreneur for me. It's what the, the work they do is to... It is driven by, like I said, something specific. So a subculture, a movement, or an idea. Mm-hmm. And then it is tandem with wanting to create the lifestyle they want. So they, it's about legacy and purpose more than it's about anything else for them. Mm. Okay, cool. Great. How would people identify whether or not they were a, a Dre-style solopreneur? What kind of questions would they ask themselves? Or what things do you see in common with your group? Are they like digital nomads or like... Uh, do they generally do a particular kind of thing? Like, are they selling digital products? Are they doing selling services or anything in common there? No, I think really there's probably two threads. Again, we've talked about the purpose, but the other one is the personality is that they are the face of the brand. That's the other thing that really okay. delineates is that what I do is I bring you out of it. Right. And I, and I, uh, help you build a brand that is going to, my big thing is attract kindreds. And again, it's another word that I have created, you know, my definition and my culture of what a kindred is instead of stale shit, like ideal customer, <laughs> which is most people, but it has such a dry surface level connotation and my work gets down to human behavior. So what my solo is looking for is the real connection to other human beings and to be able to be themselves. They are craving the permission to be themselves, no matter what that shade is, and to attract people that get them. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And obviously, you're living it. <laughs> yes. That's why I'm like, I go. So, but that was me before. This is where my brand came together, is that that's already me. I am always fighting for the right to just be me. And I'm a lot. You don't have to be a lot to, to do that. But it works for me because I can be the polarizing go look. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you, it's people are buying into you. It's, it's really not a product or a funnel or all that other bullshit that we're being, um, you know, pushed down our throats. It's about a human to human connection. And if you come across relatable and aspiring and you work on understanding your kindred, shit moves, mountains move. Okay. It's not about marketing and all this hustle bullshit. So here's the pushback I get a lot of times. Like mm-hmm. I, I talk to lots and lots of people who are like, but I'm not perfect. You know, I need to be more professional than that. And, but they, they end up being fake or my, my favorite, you know, sarcastically, my favorite is when a solopreneur uses we all over their website. Oh God. So I'm like, 
just be yourself. Just be yourself. Yes. Don't yeah. don't compete with a big firm. You're not in competition with a big firm. If someone's looking for a big firm, they're going to pick a big firm. Don't pretend you're bigger than you are. Yes. Don't have like a fake answering service to make it seem like you have a receptionist or something. Like yes. just tell it like it is. Like maybe yeah. you use contractors from time to time, but if it's just you, just say I. Yes. I I do this. I can help yeah. you with these sorts of problems. So yep. did you, do you get a lot of pushback about that? Did you ever go through a phase where you're like, geez, maybe I shouldn't swear on my website or drink wine or whatever. <laughs> God. So you know how much pushback I get about my mouth? No, that's when I knew I had to curse on my website. Now I'll tell you that like, look, I came at, and here's another thread that goes through a lot of, you know, my clientele and my community is that we're recovering corporateites. We are recovering from that program bullshit of don't be you. Be the least amount of you. Right. So it, it's definitely a process, but by the time people find me and the people that find me, it's usually the breath of fresh air that that's what they've been trying to get away from is that they feel fake as fuck in their business, <laughs> and that it is sucking their soul dry. And that it has become a hustle. It has nothing to do with the purpose. It has nothing to do with the passion. It has nothing to do with all of the reasons that they went, you know, full force into this. They lost it all. So you know, I, I cater. So I, I put the, it's just me. I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> I put it out there so hard that I, you know, there's no confusion that if you come to me, you may be struggling to find who that is, but there's no pushback as far as like, no, I really want to be me or we, like you said, I really no, I, I, I want to come across professional by the, t the people that come to me. And by the time they come to me, if I said professional, they'd want to bitch slap me in the face. Right. I, that's what they're looking to get away from. They're looking for someone who is not going to put them back into some bucket where I'm a therapist. So I need to come off this way. I'm a software developer. So I need to look this way. Right. They want to break all the rules. And I'm the one that's like, let's do it. Yeah. And that's what caused me to laugh when I went to your website, because it was so not <laughs> fake. Like you would never you would never fake your no. website. There'd be no point. Right. No. It's like super, super genuine. It's instant. It's like, and the laugh is like, or the, the humor is that like feeling of like, wow, this is a breath of fresh air. And it, it automatically, so like from a word of mouth standpoint, it automatically would cause me to, to recommend you to certain types of people and not recommend you to others, Yes, which is probably exactly what you want. <laughs> exactly. Well, I say this all the time. I mean, I don't get a ton of haters. I don't get a ton of clients that, you know, kind of leave calls that don't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. I first of all structure things in such a way that I am a little probably more polarizing at the beginning so I can scare away anybody who's even on the fence. Yep. And then it comes down to, you know, that, that authenticity thing where, like you said, it's so real that you can tell. And that's the thing that we don't really give credit to is that we don't have to know you to know you're full of shit. <laughs> Isn't that wild? It's so easy to tell. Mm -hmm. So no, I, I don't get a lot of that because they're gone. <laughs> they're just like, she is No, I can't even deal with it. Yeah. They bounce immediately. That is by design. I lean into what I know, you know, the personality traits of mine that will absolutely turn people off. You know, it's not my first rodeo. I know the, the consistent things that are the dominant traits that turn off the people who can't stand me. And I lean into them hard. I celebrate them. Right. Because, and here's the funny thing, like, uh, I guess it's not funny. The sort of ironic thing is I think pretending that you're professional, pretending anything, pretending, pretending mm -hmm. that someone could pretend they're like you, but they're actually mm -hmm. 
professional. You know, like maybe yep. someone is just very buttoned down, very conservative, but they they're yep. like, geez, I need to copy Dre. Yep. And be like, whatever to put it in your own you know put it in your own words, however you want to say it, and that's that's still the wrong thing to do it's like it's like yep. you're copying the wrong thing yeah don't co don't copy the swearing copy the authenticity or the is that is that the word you would use for it authenticity i hate that word I don't so know it's funny because i i we i interviewed seth godin and he he hates that word too yeah. and i don't get it honestly it's one of the very few things i disagree with him about which usually means i'm wrong so <laughs> so what's what do you think the word authenticity means original and why do you not... genuine I think if you're genuine, I think if that's how you genuinely feel, I think it's how you genuinely speak. That's it. That's not authentic. It just seems synonymous to me. That, that's what I'm saying. It's just a word. I just don't like the damn word. I don't like oh. anything that becomes synonymous with marketing. So I just think it, you know, when you say authenticity, then we get into like, okay, let's manufacture something. That's oh, it's old. a buzzword. I see. Yeah. I see. I see. Okay. So I mean, yeah, the concept is exactly it. You have to have authenticity. I just think it's it's another one of those words that we have just bastardized so much. It's really lost the impact of what it really means. Oh, okay, that's fair. So, and and I do use the word genuine quite a bit. So, yeah. I, and I do like that better because it's not polluted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As polluted. Exactly. Cool. Okay, so let's pivot a little bit into your backstory. How did you get into? You know, you you said you're. I think you said a recovering corporateite. Mm -hmm. um, what's that backstory? What led you to the place that you are now? Yeah. So I, I was one of those that, you know, went to college for five different things, was really trying to find myself. And the whole time working in corporate, uh, felt like it was a different life. So I used to work in the biotech industry <laughs> with engineers and chemists and, um, in, in, uh, biotech equipment, and, you know, it was just so dry, could not even stand it. And I ended up in one of my forays into college finding interior design, and I absolutely loved design. So in my corporate uh, time, I was side jobbing and <laughs> long story, but sexual harassment happened. I, after 10 years of being at the company, they hired a new uh, executive and a pretty awful situation happened with me and the company handled it incredibly poor. And, um, I sued them and won and started my business. <laughs> wow. There you go. That's exactly how I would have never, I, I'm always honest about this. I don't know that I would have ever had the balls to do it. I have wanted to be self-employed. Both of my parents were growing up. So I understood what the lifestyle was obviously not the online component, right. but I understood what that was and how, you know, self-regulated and driven you had to be. And uh, I always wanted it, but I never had the balls. And it was the only, I mean, I'm, I feel so grateful that something so awful actually turned into the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, so I struggled for, you know, the first few years wasn't like, oh, I went out and it was all great. Uh, I did the email marketing. I did the parroting. I did, you know, find a couple mentors you loved, like Amy Porterfield and Marie Forleo and try to be them. I think it's a very natural thing that a lot of us do when we first enter that space. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it, it felt fake. I lost myself. I hated myself. Um, and it all fell apart. I lost all of that settlement. And I went to my parents for a loan. And that's really hit that. That's when I, when I understood that I had to go to my tail between my legs and to my parents, which I had been, you know, misindependent for 20 years. Mm -hmm. 
it, that was when it, it was like, shit or get off the pot. I knew, I knew you have to be you, Dre. You can't be this tame down professional version. You have to be you. And I went all out on me, just the humor, the inappropriateness, the cursing. And then I had to, you know, find my place. I had to yeah. scale back with like, you know, full force and then go, okay, I'm it back in. Um, but the interior design was really, I loved it. And so it was the design piece. And then when I finally was starting to be myself and I really discovered what brand really was, what branding was, mm -hmm. those worlds just came together for me. Like my, my background in human behavior and just my love and obsession of understanding it and then bringing that design and, and brand component to me, it just, it all came together. And again, it's just all about a personality brand. It's all about being you and understanding how to connect with human beings um, and build something that is bigger than you. So I'm excited to ask you this question because I usually get a real bullshit answer and I don't think I'm going to get one from you. Ooh, is, I like it. What is branding? Look, to me, branding is the entire ecosystem. Brand is the whole shebang. It's everything. It's like being like, well, what's a human being? I mean, who are you going to ask? You can ask a scientist. You can ask a behaviorist. You can ask all kinds of things. I think it's the entire ecosystem. It's the what, community. What do you mean ecosystem? It's the community. It's, a, I mean, if you looked at a small town, right? You have the businesses, you have the community, you have the schools, you have the politics, you have all of it. I think that's what a brand is. I think it's the community. I think it's the atmosphere and the world that you've created for that community and that brand. I think it's your products and services. I think it's your outcomes. I think it's a lifestyle that you champion. I think it's your message, your positioning. I think it's just this grand thing that it's almost impossible to have one definition that comes with it. And I know, look, Arnie Neumeier, like tons of them have come up with epic descriptions uh, and definitions and that's all great but for me it's just it's too big to even really need to put your finger on i i just call it the ecosystem it's the whole experience that you're building from purpose to personality to visuals okay i, I I'll, I'll accept it <laughs> so it's <laughs> the way that the way that i hear that is that everything that you do and everything about the business contributes to the brand it does is that fair i wholeheartedly okay. believe that Okay. Is, is the brand something that you can decide on? Well, I think the brand is built by a thousand decisions. Mm -hmm. So, so probably there's some kind of objective or vision or something first, or well, is it just luck? And what matters to you? Again, I build brands around a specific subculture movement or idea. So why are you doing this? It's not about the product or, or, or service or whatever at the beginning, right? right? Mm -hmm. That's like, for me, the last step. That's like, you're getting into marketing, you're getting into traffic. Okay, now you need a product. Mm -hmm. But the brand itself, yeah, what, what, are you, what are you about? What are you trying to do? Right, what's the point? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's almost reverse engineering. That's a lot of what I do. It's like, okay, this is what, this is the shit that matters. Okay, so who does that matter to? Okay, yeah. let's talk about the who, right? And then we get into who, okay. Well, what the fuck do they need, right? Mm -hmm. To get to this, like what matters in that bucket for them? Where are they coming? Like, where's the context of what, where this comes in for them? Yep, yeah, okay. I mean, it's very, it's very similar to like, um, how much does this relate to like Simon Sinek start with why? How much, do you, how much do you agree or disagree with that? Um, I would say I agree for the most part. Mm -hmm. But I also think there is some level of that just being formulaic marketing as well. But I think his ultimate point is pretty dead on. 
I mean, it, it, it is about that why. I just think that it's, it's been centered, you know, it's, it's just been so bastardized as far as, you know, even the why is manufactured, in other words, at this point. And I'm so sick of the why being like this piece that needs to be manufactured and frameworked. I believe that's actually <laughs> what, the most. Let's have a focus group to figure out what our why is. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, that's the, <laughs> that's the most like you thing there is. That's like the least thing that needs to be manufactured or, you know, frameworked or formalized. Mm-hmm. It, it's uh, that's where when, when we started talking about the why stuff, I just yeah. my old my eyes roll far back into that. Right. Yeah. So it's like people say, oh, here's this TED talk. Start with why Apple Apple started with why I'm going to do that, too. Now, what why should I start with? What's the best opportunity? And it's like you're just totally missing the point. Exactly. And that's really that's what I mean, is that that's the work that I do. What actually do you give a shit about? Now, what do you, what, what's on your resume that you're, you're qualified to do? What are you passionate about? Like, what do you literally give a shit about? Like, let's start there. Cause it is so, personal. and you know, especially if you come from a corporate background, you're not programmed, you're not wired to search for those things, to identify with those things. to even be able to find them sometimes it is a search, but not the framework kind of search. There's so much more, my work is so much more based on, you know, soul searching and that sort of stuff. And I'm not into the woo woo. It's not Mm -hmm. about woo woo. I get so ranty about that. I'm very clear that this isn't woo woo. This is about you being a human being and you having to be able to soul search and answer some of these personal questions because you were the only one that can authoritatively answer them with the utmost confidence. No one can sway you into one way no one can manufacture this for you you're gonna have to do a certain amount of work to figure out what you give a shit about isn't that funny like you'd think it would be top of mind at all times but it's really not i I have lots of people where i I try to start there or you know i'll have an email exchange with someone on my list and they'll just say like yeah that sounds great i'd be like well what do you really care about or what what are your passions and 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 they'll just be like coding. Like, I don't know, yeah. coding. I can just code for anyone. No. And I'm like, that's like, it's like you just told me whittling, you know, like yeah. whittling is your big life passion. Like, I guess yeah. maybe, but like, if you can find something, I, my, my, I know when I've hit on it, I don't, I have no, I'm not good at helping somebody uncover it. But when someone, yeah. when someone accidentally says it, that's I'll be like, ex- there it is. Yep. That's exactly what it is. It's so so flippant sometimes. I can't even mm-hmm. tell you the number of clients I have. It's probably around, and I'm pulling this somewhere out of my ass, but it's probably around about seven seventy five percent that come to me going, I want to do this business, right? I want to do A, B, C. This is what I want to do. And after you know two months, eight weeks of work, it is a completely different thing that they want to do. Yeah. Because we got to what you want to do. What you were doing is you took your resume, you took your college degree, you took whatever it was, and you said, I want to do this. Yep. But you didn't take into account like what that looks in practice, what that looks like in heart, what that looks like for you. What do you really want? It was just, again, it was a manufactured package. And it blows my mind. Their body language changes. Their verbiage changes. They go from... You know, when you ask a question, they want to explain it and you know that they're like trying to pull out like the, you know, the elevator pitch. 
And you're like, that's not what I was asking. I'm literally asking as like a human being having a conversation. Those start to actually flow as conversations when they start talking about the real shit and not this like package job that they're like, this is what I want to do. It completely changes everything about their behavior, their cadence, their tone, everything about it. Yeah, they light up. They get excited. They're like, wait a second. I can make a living doing something I actually like. Yeah. Right. And then the ideas flow, the creative, the creativity flows. I mean, it's, it's mind blowing and it really is. It's like a ayahuasca experience. It's like, all right, come in the tent. We're going to get some real shit done. It is like that. Well, so he, okay. So here's the, here's the devil's advocate question. I want to hear your, I, I, I already know I'm going to agree with you, but I just want to like set up the question and see how you explain to someone once you find that thing, it pops out of their mouth. You don't, you didn't like dig it up and like, oh, here's your thing. Yeah. But it's it just falls out of their mouth and you're like, that's it. And they're like, oh, you're right. That is it. And then mm-hmm. the immediate follow-up is, but I'll never be able to make a living doing that. Yeah. So what's, and, and you said earlier, and I agree with this, like that's an implementation detail. That it almost yep. figures itself out. But the panic yep. up front, it doesn't seem like that up front. It doesn't seem like that when you're, when you're looking to leave a, a mid six-figure job coding at Google to mm-hmm. go, start a knitting store mm-hmm. you're like wait wait how do i get from here to there without taking a massive hit in my lifestyle which this is supposedly going to help yep so yeah so what do you how do you help people work through that well I th- the the biggest thing is a reframe for me it's like first of all you need to reframe it and I get into the conversation of, first of all, I ask a lot of questions. I'm like, why? Because it's all just self-defeating. It's all just the, the frame in your head, right? Of, of, of this not being something you tangibly see done. And that's for me, the big message is that you're looking, okay, here's, here's the way most brands are built is find someone you admire and then, you know, quote unquote, copy it, do what they're doing, right? Put your own spin on it, but do what you're doing. But to have a really, again, genuine brand, I would call it original, but it's born of being genuine because you're going to be original if you're just you, because we're all super duper different. <laughs> yeah. and so if you're looking for someone to validate, if they're looking to go, well, they did it so I can do it. That's the kiss of death. You have to get to a place where nobody's done it. And, and that's where all the rules get to be broken. There's not like, here's the box, here's build, build a brand box. Okay. So you have to use all of these pieces. You don't. Right. So, so it's about being, being confident enough that, you know, no one's ha- no has laid out this path for you. You are going to be doing it. And the reframe is that that is an amazing fact that that is not to be scary. That is not to be holy shit, this is all going to fall out from under me. If I truly believe that if you have the mindset, if you have that, that confidence and that you are prepared to write the rules yourself, that there's nothing to be afraid of that. It's all, then that all to your point, it comes down to logistics. That's the easiest part. Yeah, I agree. That is the easiest part because when someone comes to me and they already have like a really clear uh, mission. It, it doesn't happen that often. It's probably maybe only 10 or 20% of the people I work with have like a really clear mission or even just an objective, like a really mm-hmm. clear objective. But you know, a, a mission is even better. It's like bigger than the business. It's a much bigger yeah. thing. It, it makes everything else so much easier. All the tactical yeah. stuff is, yeah. is like a joke. Yeah. Think about all the rules that you want to break. Think about you don't want to do a membership, but everyone in you know your industry does a membership. Think about how you want to sell your software this way. I mean, yeah. 
mine is always think about how you can break the rules because we're all sick of how it's being done. All of us, whether you're, you know, on an online business or not, the consumer is fucking smart and we are sick of it. So if it is different and it has break, you know, it's breaking a rule. Sure. There's going to be ones that don't want it, but that is where the magic happens is that you have to be detracting people who don't get it to, for the people who do to be able to see it immediately and clear as day. Right. Yeah. I talk about it in, in these terms, uh, for folks who do know what their mission is, that thing that's bigger than their business. Mm -hmm. If you have that, if you're lucky and you've figured out what that is and you've, and you're excited by the uncertainty, it's, it, it's in other words, you're like, I'm finally out of the straitjacket. Yes. And you, you're not looking for a new straitjacket or a bigger nope. one. No, you, you can't imagine going back to it. You're like, how did I stay in it that long? How did I, why did I wait this long? Right. Yeah. When that happens, when that moment happens, that's my favorite moment. That's like, that's my crack with clients. It's like when I can tell that that has happened, it's like all the other pieces fall into place. It's right. like you know, that iceberg that's like one piece fell and now the whole thing can crumble. Okay, great. We had to be like jam that one piece out. And now it will all start very organically coming together. Right. And, and I talk about the, the, the money piece as funding the mission. It's, it's not about like revenue or, you know, like adding a zero to your annual income. It's like, no, you just need to fund the mission so that you can come back tomorrow and do more of it. Oh, exactly. And that's why for me, my work is about that kindred. That's why the kindred to me is after the quote unquote why, right? After that purpose, after they understand what they really give a shit about, it's about the person. It's immediately about the person because to your point with the mission, you have to get other people to buy into it. You can't carry it. I don't care who you are. Steve Jobs didn't carry it. Okay. He got people to buy into it. Right. And that's what you have to do is you have to get other people to believe in that mission as well, because then it's then it then it starts to roll out. Right. Then it gets the momentum and then you get the word of mouth and, and you get that organic grassroots. And that's the magic. When you get the grassroots, like I didn't market my way, I didn't advertise my way to this. I literally got human beings to connect and attach with this idea or subculture or movement. Mm -hmm. it is a different route. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had, I think at this point in my life, I think I've had three distinct careers, one, two, three, four, four distinct careers. And, and it is, and, but only one of them was grassroots mm -hmm. and that's the current one. And I cannot tell you what a difference is. It's like, it's like riding a bike downhill yep. versus rolling a rock uphill. Yeah. And the, the difference is, was that this fourth chapter was like predicated with a mission. The other three were totally self-centered. The previous three yeah. were totally self-centered. Yeah. The third one was a little bit more service oriented, but it was still about money. It was more about money. It was, it was kind of, it was kind of a bridging. It was kind of halfway in between, but there was definitely no mission, but there was passion, but no mm -hmm. mission. And, yeah. and when I wrote hourly billing is nuts, I just said, I said, look, I, this book, this will never work. <laughs> probably never work or I won't live to see this mission come to fruition, but I want to rid the world of hourly billing full stop. Yeah. And that's way bigger than me. It'll, it'll, it won't happen right. in my lifetime. Almost certainly. Right. But it makes it so much easier to do all the other, make all the other million other decisions that you have to make as yep. a solopreneur on a daily basis. It's like, will this further the mission? Yes or no? Yes.
it's totally a North star. It makes everything so much easier. And back to the people, it makes it right. It's like a first date. It's like, what information do they need to know to just like get it right? And if it's like a deal breaker or like, okay, maybe we'll have a second or third. That's the mission. It's the same thing. Maybe you still, again, it's not the right personality type, right? Maybe people like for me, maybe you're a totally family and fun first kind of entrepreneur, but my mouth is not going to work for you. So there's still other factors, but that mission and, and back to the cursing, I meant to tell you this is I get so much, um, or I don't get so much pushback, but what I hear so much is that I would never curse. I don't curse. I really, I'm kind of put off by it, but I feel your heart and you're like, you're so real that it, it strangely doesn't bother me when you curse. Mm-hmm. I get that all the time. Yep. Most of my community is not as much as me. <laughs> They're like, I would never ever describe something the way that you did. But again, it, it just goes back to that mission and that being genuine. That helps people attach. That helps people. It cuts the bullshit. What does this person matter? What What are they really about? I don't want to read your about page. I, I instantly want to know what everything is tied around for you. That, and that's a great, yeah, your website is 100% that. It's screaming, like, you know, the listener, if the, the whatever vibe you're getting from this interview is the exact same vibe you'll get if you go to Dre's website. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. It's not, it's not like, it's not like, it's not like you talk, you don't talk about yourself at all, as I recall, on, on like the homepage or something. It's not like you're talking no. about yourself constantly. It's all no. about the reader but it is infused with the genuine you you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's yep. not like explicit so much as it is it's just it's just it's like the wallpaper almost yeah the voice that's i guess you would call it yep that's exactly what i go for is and that's what i teach my clients is that it's not about you know everyone this is my other thing is the story component right we all need to know our story okay, sure. At some point, yes, you need to be able to tell a story, but it's like, how many times do you, does someone go like, tell me your story. And they want to sit here and actually hear it. They don't, they really don't, they don't give a shit. But if you told a story that was kind of about them, right? Like if you told a general story that was, again, for me, usually it's like some kind of humor component, some kind of like inappropriateness or, or I'm very self-deprecating. So it's like something I fucked up and I kind of tie it back to some level of humor, Right. But it's not about me. It's about the personality. Right. Again, like if I write a self-deprecating story, that's going to be different than right this other kind of story. So it's about still leaning into who you are, but always talking about them, always like tying that story back to them. So you get my personality. There's no way to miss it. This is why George introduced us. It was exactly he said exactly what you did. He said, I read your website. I was on it for so long. And we're on this phone call. And there's like no jarringness. There's no like, wow, that did not translate over. It was like exactly what he pictured. And that's the, to me, that's the art of, of that whole kindred and you like, where is it? Where is like, how does that attach? Where's the intersection between you guys? Because if you get that, even if it's a little bit off, like my cursing or my inappropriateness, not all of them would ever, you know, if you told an about page that said like, I like to, like, I'm a, I'm a dirty old young woman's butt. Like if I said the things that again, I would say to a bestie, right. It wouldn't translate. It would be like so manufactured to be polarizing. But if you just 
you know, take that energy. And again, this is where people are like, oh, that's a woo, but it's not, that's my natural energy. And so if you understand, you know, how you communicate, how you come across, then all of those like tactical things, like how do you tell your story? How do you write an about page? It literally happens in seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It yeah. really does. Right. You don't need to like hire a copywriter to do a fucking sales page. You just know how to do it because you just take that mission, which is weaved around everything. And then you insert your energy. Yeah. It's, it's really, I mean, I feel like you're, you're a hundred percent right. I totally agree with you, but I also can hear the suffering of the listener is who's like either doesn't believe it or doesn't. It's like, we're, we're actually being kind of tactical here. It seems like we're not. It seems like we're talking about really high level stuff and it's like, oh, everything just figures it out. Write your own sales page. But it's predicated on spending the time to figure out what your mission is or at least a purpose or big idea or something that's unique or different or, you know, is especially you. If you do that piece, like like anyone listening that's like, they're not telling me what to do. They're not explaining how to do this. It's because you're not respecting that piece that piece makes all that other stuff comically easy. Exactly. Exactly. That's the whole thing is that if you're overwhelmed with tools and tactics and you like don't have something that you can just roll out and get done every week or month, right? Like batch your content. Like, you know, if you're at that place staring down going, fuck, I don't know. Should I have a, a deadline timer? Or should I have a tripwire? Should I have this? Should I have that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you need to pull it way the fuck back because that's, it does sound simple, but it's, it's the same thing as anything else in your real life. Like when you decided that you wanted to go to college, it's like, you needed to decide those things, right? You need to decide where you were going to go, what you're going to study. You didn't just go take a class. And if you did, you probably were like me and you restarted six times. Do you know what the hell you're doing? If you take the time to actually think through what matters and who matters, all of those little questions that feel like they're really, really heavy will no longer be heavy. And isn't it a lot easier to worry about the person than this bullshit tactic? Right. Yeah. Right. And when I'm teaching my clients, like this is this is what I go, I lean so far into because I if you get the people to buy in, guess what? They don't care if you hosted something on Teachable or on this part, right? Like they don't care about any of that level of it. If you get people to buy in, you can go host your PDF on a Google Drive and charge them, you know, yeah. $500 to like go get this report. I mean, it, it doesn't totally. matter like how beautified shit is and how you know well manicured it is and how you know tight that copy is that's just not where it's at like if you really just look at where human where society is where human behavior is what people are craving what people are sick of what people have blinders onto and what they what, what gains attention and attraction none of it is tactics yeah. it's just like the means it's like how we talk like you can have sign language, you can write, you can do art. Like there's all these different ways to communicate, which choose to talk a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's other methods. Oh, that's the least of it. Yeah. You, I have to tell the story about not a newsletter by Dan Oshinsky, which he, he was the, he was the, uh, I don't know what his title was, but he was in charge of the newsletters. I think at the New Yorker. So he, mm-hmm. he handled the email newsletters for the New Yorker and there's a bunch of different subscriptions, I guess you could buy from them. 
and he went solo and his website when he went solo is a google slides presentation at a <laughs> ugly ass google docs url yeah and his newsletter air quotes newsletter i mean it's called not a newsletter is a google doc that he he emails out a notification that the new newsletter is live and you just go to the same google doc and yeah. it's like packed there's like a hundred other people in there reading it with you you know at that moment yeah and it, it's like completely it was it was one of those things where i just laughed out loud when i saw it i was like this is genius like, i was gonna say genius right it's easy for him. It's probably super easy to produce. He probably yep. thoroughly enjoys creating it. Yep. It certainly hasn't prevented people. I mean, do you think people are emailing him going, I really wish that this was highly produced into a PDF <laughs> and he got an actor? Do you think right. anybody's sending him that shit? And you think if the one person, you know, who does, do you think that he gives that any energy? Like, oh no, maybe I should rethink this. Like he's right. so sure on what the mission is. He's so sure it doesn't, he doesn't get bogged down in it. I think that that story is brilliant. It's genius. I yeah, I love it. always looking to celebrate people who are doing it dirty, like just quick and dirty. Mm -hmm. And they're making huge impacts because it's so much less about that, you know, that highly polished look. It really is. People honestly will get more out of what you're doing if you do it like low budget, like genuine. Yeah. I always call it the mind mouth mission. That's what people give a shit about. They give a shit about your belief system. They give a shit about your personality, your vibe, your energy, how, what you're bringing to the table. And they give a shit about what you care about. What are you championing? What are you trying to make happen? Those are the three things for me that a brand's about. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I certainly have. Like when I see a YouTube video from somebody, the slicker it is, the less I trust it. Totally. Totally. When I see them like in their living room with the laundry behind them and they are spouting off like mm -hmm. real ideas, it's I'm, I'm hooked. Mm -hmm. If I can tell that, you know, you have these slide transitions, <laughs> you're zooming in and out. I'm like, I'm a little like secretly ragey. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, I don't want your polished perfectionism. It's the same thing with Instagram. I mean, it's just it's so overproduced if you just take it back to the basics you will be a breath of fresh air in your kindred's world of bullshit that's what i tell my clients like be the breath of fresh air in their world world of bullshit and there's a lot of bullshit so find that piece that makes you the breath of fresh air which again is like the two things we talked about it's a, or the three things that i say mind mouth and mission if you get back to that it's not about any of the other manufactured stuff. You can grassroots this and have people supporting you and spreading your message exponentially more than you are going to be able to make that happen through advertising and social hustling. I can't even bring myself to post on Instagram. I, I can't do it. I don't do any social bro. I gave it up in 2020 and it has not affected. Let me just tell you, it has not affected my business because again, I know what I'm about. And so for me, it's search and email, right? So just, again, the tactic just fell in line with what I want out of life. And I don't want to sit on social and act like I give a shit about it. Mm. I don't. Yeah. Or act like I'm important enough to like, I'm going to post eight times a day so that maybe three people can see my thing and then just like throw a like my way. Like, that's a <laughs> jack shit for me and my, my mission. So I'm out. Cool. All right. So let's, I totally agree. Let, let's pivot. Um, cause I know I'm, I'm taking up half your day here. 
that's all right. Let's pivot to one of George's questions that we, I feel like we've touched on several of them, but there's one that uh, he was particularly interested in that we haven't touched on, which is, uh, which is this, how Dre got to her current business model. A menu was in play at one time. Now it's flat rate, which is interesting. So can you explain what he's talking about there? So he used to just do, you know, what the typical you know, freelancer designer does, which is packages, right? Or a la carte mm -hmm. services. Um, I did that for years. And again, in 2020, you know, I think a lot of us rethought things. I definitely went back to the, the soul searching drawing board um, and, you know, realigned with what I wanted, like what the schedule I wanted. I have a child. I'm throwing around the idea of another child and what did you know what was that really going to look like in practice and I also you know I mean this is the woo part I had to work on my money issues right of, of god I think so much of us freelancers and designers are just like so in the garbage with our rates and yes. oh my god it, it hurts Good way to put it and I was totally part of it like, totally part of it and I don't know, 2020 was just like, fuck this. For me, I, I just realigned to what mattered. So I went over to a day rate model and my personal, and I sort of talked to you a little about, about this of like, you know, I got the brand down. <laughs> that is like not where my issues are, but I still work with the, you know, the, the, the money side or, or, you know, that business model side, quote unquote, but I've been doing day rates since November last year. And so there's no more packages. So you hire me. So I do Dre for a day. That is my sole <laughs> service. You got it. Love it. I love alliteration. <laughs> I think it sounds fantastic. And um, so I'm still working out the details, whereas I'm realizing that I think I need to not necessarily have packages, but sort of have, you know, the, the, the basic, like here would be our identity day. Here would be our development day, like have different sort of days because the goal is for, for my clients to hire me for multiple days. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and do spot treatments for things like that. But yeah, I've moved over to Dre for a day and my goal is to just increase those rates every single six months. Every time I close 10 clients, I increase the rate. Oh, 10's too many. <laughs> you think 10's too many? Yeah, 10's way too many. If you like, close three, I'd increase the rates. Me. I know, but that's what I'm saying. I totally admit that I still have garbage uh, about the finance. And I think uh, on the design side, there's just something like we, we just look at this bullshit Fiverr stuff and we just yeah. do not do our self-services. And I'm the first one to admit, uh, you know, on that design side, we, we have to do better and we have to, you know, claim our worth and, and the, the day rate really did help me also because it's convenient. I also realized like if you're paying for this, you know, I get websites done in a day. And again, because I don't believe in like tactically, we need to dredge over this fucker for six months. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. You don't need it. Get it out there. So it also part of it was, you know, of that training. It's like, no, I don't want to talk about your logo for two weeks. I don't, I, I genuinely don't give a shit enough. Because mm -hmm. I don't believe it matters. Yep. Whether you use this font or this font, you are selling no more or less. So I can't um, contribute to the issue of like, oh, you're going to charge me $500 for a logo. They're only going to charge me $125. I'm not in that. So I also found that day rate was a better um, solution and a better avenue for me to ditch more of those clients. Mm -hmm. that were, you know, I, I just need a designer. I just want someone to do social media templates for me. It's like, that's, I'm not in that business of design. I, I'll tell clients all the time. I'm not in the business to make shit look pretty. 
I get it done and I create a world. I mean, it's about creating a world for your brand. There's so much George really, I think what really hit him was uh, the process I use like on the visual side. It's all built from physical, tangible place that, that you describe in graphic detail that, that is part of the world you're creating. So again, it's all back to like real human development. It's not about like, I don't know if I should use this color red or this color red. What do you think? <laughs> I think it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, think it's a, I think I don't have enough fucks to give you an answer right now. Yeah, it's, it's less about graphic design and more about graphic detail, as you said. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so I, I mean, know that my clients need that service, right? They want something to look beautiful, but they also just they want a real world. They want a real like I want my brand to have an atmosphere that feels real, that I understand how to use that identity and again, use it to make myself to stand out, to be genuine, to it it all goes together. So, I'm still exploring the day rate thing, but I, it's it's added so many layers of more of what I want and, and more of who I want and setting the right tone that I want. Yep. Yeah. Simplicity and no timesheets like right there. Yeah. It's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And we're not going to obsess over shit. We're going to make very quick decisions, which is yep. an amazing skill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Upwork comment and, and, you know, this is this is a, a like a masterclass in how to be the one and only instead of just one of many. Everybody's unique. If you could just let that out, then you would be different and you yep. would repel people who you probably don't want to work with anyway. And you'd attract people who you probably want to go out for drinks with. Exactly. Well, this has been amazing. So thanks very much for joining me. And where can people go to find out more about Dre Beltrami? Yeah, well, there's really two places because I um, don't like to people and I don't social. <laughs> so <laughs> go to the website, the Solopreneur Society. And also I have an amazing Facebook group, which I have been running for six years. And let me tell you, like everything else I do, it's nothing like the other bullshit. <laughs> I can't tell you. I hear every day, like, oh my God, I love your group because it's nothing. We don't pitch. I have um, someone fictitiously called uh, Billy the Band Button and you're just kicked the fuck out. If, <laughs> if you ruin the vibe, if you act like an ass, if there's any kind of hate, it's just a very well managed, completely like support driven, you know, real people. So pop in there. It's honestly, we're, we're kind of just a nutty bunch that like to have fun and genuinely connect. Um, but otherwise, you know, go to my website and email me because that's where it all happens. I don't empty, I don't social surface level, empty bullshit. I don't do that. So, but I'm, I'm so hooked and addicted to connecting with awesome people. So I don't make myself, um, you know, hard to find, but you're not going to find me on social. So go to the website. Got it. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining me. It's been great to get to know you. Yes. Hey, thank you for having me. That's it for this week, folks. I'm Jonathan Stark, and I hope you join me again next time on Ditching Hourly. Bye. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space? or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one -on -one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. 
If at the end of the call you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one -on -one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.